You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, princesses, heroes, and villains, children and creatures of all ages, welcome to the magical world of Walt Disney's Animation Studios. Guys, I could not possibly be more excited. Today, we are talking about the different eras of Disney, going from the 30s and 40s in Disney's Golden Age all the way up to the current revival era of Disney Animation. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. Ironically, just last weekend, I stayed in, I went to Walt Disney World and stayed in their Pop Century Resort, which goes through the 1900s of all the different decades of Disney. Kind of got to see some memorabilia and different stuff from that, which maybe will help with today. We'll find out. And I am joined by the one and only Joe Day, co-host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. Joe, thanks for joining me, because <laughs> I know this is uh, more my territory than yours, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's interesting how often um, I've been involved in these conversations about Disney and all of that, but I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So without further ado, today's episode, we are going back through the history of Disney. We're going to talk some about the different themes, philosophies that Disney's had, the messaging, and just some of when the best movies happened kind of stuff. Um, Joe, I know you did a lot of these retro Disney's with different of our other co-hosts. Could you kind of remind our listeners why you started the Disney retro series and what kind of your background with the films are? Yeah, so I got into um, this rabbit hole of retro Disney stuff with the um, with uh, Treasure Planet. And getting into um, talking about different bygone um, movies that either I was seeing for the first time or seeing for the first time as an adult. And it was a look back into um, some of what has made Disney into this juggernaut that it is. And knowing that so many people on the team are Disney nerds or at least enjoy Disney movies it was it was interesting to get the perspective from somebody that has spent a lot of time enjoying and and plugged into Disney and can spout off all of these facts and and has is very long in the tooth and somebody who yeah i i can appreciate like 90s era disney and all of that, but I haven't necessarily been the most flattering when it comes to Disney's modern me- uh, uh, messaging and things like that. And so for me, watching and, and experiencing the different perspectives on these different eras and how the messaging has changed and how the techniques have changed and all of that kind of stuff is really interesting. Yeah, I I have a lot of history with Disney. I grew up in Florida, so naturally we went to Disney World a lot. Grew up watching the movies. In my teenage years, it kind of fell off. I kind of kind of saw the strings pulling everything for a little bit. And I was like, oh, that's nothing special. This is how they did that. And then as I got a little bit older, I kind of went back just for nostalgia's sake. And then I started realizing, you no, know, some of how these strings get pulled actually made history. Some of this stuff 
was never done before. And then it opened up a different type of geeking out about it where it's not just, oh, I like this because I liked it when I was a kid and more of a, no, some of this is actually really good and really interesting when you dig a little bit underneath the surface. And um, I kind of became a huge Diz nerd, as they call it. Uh, again, Brandon said it before on one of our other episodes. Not not the best name for a group of geeks, but it's what we got. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I find it all really fascinating. And one thing that really threw me off when we started the Disney Retro was... You and one of our other co-hosts said uh, it counts as retro if it's like older than 20 years. And my brain just was like, I guess that makes sense. But when I'm thinking retro Disney, I'm immediately thinking it's got to at least before the 80s, right? (laughs) And I think we've we've done one before the 80s so far. And I'm like, okay, that's not what retro means. It's just because I spent so much time around it. Like, you know, sometimes you just spend so much time with Star Wars. It's another one. When someone says the original movies, I think the original trilogy a lot of people who were born around the same time as me think the first six. And I'm like, that's no. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. And it's just a different perspective. Right. It's it's interesting because I didn't know what while I knew that obviously there's a lot of history that preceded what a lot of my generation constitutes as classic Disney. You know, the the a lot of people qualify it as the Lion King era where mm-hmm. a lot of those movies were coming out and Good. a lot of that technique and all of that. So obviously I knew that there was a lot of huge breadth of history, but I it wasn't until I started really breaking into um, the the history of it all. To know why that era of, I think they, they classify it as from 89 to 99, is mm-hmm. the um, the Renaissance period for Disney. Yeah. And, and you know, seeing, seeing some of what happened behind the scenes. And then, you know, take a look at, if you ever want something interesting, we, we hit on some of the, the movies and some of the, um, the topics surrounding it. But it's a really fascinating period of cinema history as a whole to take a look at um the silver age into the bronze age that 1950 really through 1988 that encap- that encapsulates both eras together and mm-hmm. the players that were moving around the chessboard at this period of time are not only responsible for a lot of classics within the the house of the mouse, but mm-hmm. also went out from the mouse and started making some well-known movies outside of Disney and some of this some of the pieces of cinema that also bore impact in other parts of of the cinema world and things like that. And you realize that some of these people, are and and to your point of what you'd said at the beginning you know th- these these movements that are that are being made are affecting cinema as a whole not just mm-hmm. disney's history yeah a lot of people forget um some of the earliest use of cgi was for cartoons not right. you know big avengers movies <laughs> I yeah, I mean, and to your point, I mean, even Tim Burton comes out of that bronze era of Disney and we all know plenty of stuff non Disney that, that Tim Burton did. Right. Um, but 
to break down the history, because I just think this could be helpful as we do some more of these Disney movies talking about the eras and let people know what these eras are, what we're talking about. First off, Walt Disney himself, just to give a little background, he started his drawings at five years old, started doing animation, started selling his art by the time he was seven, which is insane. (laughs) At 17, uh, they wouldn't let him into the army, so he went to France, got an ambulance to be near the war, um, and he put his own art (laughs) on the ambulance, which just sounds goofy and just not real to me. Um, Then he moved to L.A. to get his animation business started with his brother, Roy. Uh, I was going to say we all know Roy. Maybe not everybody. And he found Disney's nine old men. I've discussed them before. They're the nine men who helped Disney start his animation movies. Stuck with it all the way towards the end of the Bronze Era that we're going to talk about. Um, And, you know, that's where you have Oswald, the Lucky Rabbit. And Mickey Mouse was introduced after Oswald. And Disney saw animation as his opportunity to advance technology to a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And yes, I had to use the quote, I'm going to do my best not to talk about the parks because this is not that show. But that was one of his big things is he believed in a better tomorrow. He believed humans were going to come together and make a better future. And that kind of permeates a lot of how Disney handles their messaging throughout forever. And we've kind of discussed that a little bit before. The problem with that is, yes, I do think coming together is better than not coming together. But in the end, uh, humans are bad. (laughs) Someone will always ruin any system you create. Yeah. um, You know, I I think this is I I think Disney has a way of capturing a lot of the attention when you start to talk about this. But the reality is that um, as Christians, we should always have some varying degree of separation from secular media. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean go out and and only listen to Christian radio. Half of that stuff is garbage, and that's coming from a musician. It doesn't mean <laughs> to go out and just watch those bad Southern Christian movies. 75 to 80% of those are garbage. But it does mean that very that there are gonna fi- you are gonna find varying degrees of separation in the way that you think and reconcile the world, and way that in the messaging that this piece of media has. This came up when we were talking about horror, which is kind of where I put I put those two at one A and one B, which I find fascinating. That Disney and mm-hmm. horror are t- tend to be the two pillars <laughs> of this conversation. Um. You know, it's it's on a case by case basis. It's it's what your spirit can handle. I my spirit can't handle some of the messaging behind modern Disney, so I have a tendency to stay away from it. I I think it's I think it's risky business. I think it's sketchy business with some of the things that they see. But I'm also not going to levy the yoke of that against anybody else and say because I have a problem with watching this because I can't unsee what it is that they're telling people and I'm not okay with supporting that, then that means that you can't be okay with supporting that. You know what I mean? And that is something that has unfortunately found its way into some of the Marvel movies as well, you know, because you can't you can't yeah. separate those two anymore. Because a lot of that same a lot of that same messaging, and I understand again, we're not that that's that's its own that's its own thing, and it's still not even applicable to really even have that conversation about what those granular details that are deal breakers for me look like because what they look like for me 
isn't going to be what they look like for you. But, yeah. you know, you, you, you kind of have to understand, though, that all of this is within the parameters and the guidelines of, look, we can't, we can't ever expect secular companies to have Christian messaging. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so when when reconciling that, yeah, we have to square that circle. That yeah, this is this is all secular stuff, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's secular stuff with messaging. And and like you said, human humans are are evil and and I guess in a I guess in a in a perfect world, you can you can you could be able to tell those kinds of stories that say that you can count on people and that you can believe in yourself and you'll be able to get through but that that's not reality and yeah some people argue then why are you expecting it to be reality but it's so for me it's so not reality and so potentially dangerous that 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 that's where i draw a line yeah i i I don't think there's any disney that i have a problem watching but there is at least one message that i have a huge problem that they do with the whole uh follow your heart stuff I hate that uh, just because the Bible pretty explicitly says the heart, is, the heart is deceitful above all else. And I think it's caused a lot of youth, a lot of problems growing up thinking that the answer to life is to find the right significant other and to just follow whatever their heart tells them. And that's just not true. And sometimes people realize that too late because they were fed lies as children. But we will get into more of the problems Disney has going on. Um, I feel like my... If the stuff that I have a problem watching are probably going to be more in the horror era. Um, I don't mind slashers as much. I don't mind stuff with a little bit of language. Um, sometimes it's for me, it's more of the not eh, like semi quasi pornographic stuff that kind of makes it into some some of the other films. That's the stuff that usually gets me, which typically aren't in cartoons. So usually I'm in a safe zone here. Right. But who knows? It's a crazy world out there. <laughs> The first Disney animate full-length animation film was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, made in 1937, which kicked off the Golden Era. We're told you we're going to talk about the different eras. The Golden Era was 1937 to 1942. Disney, like we said, his philosophy was basically he thought we could build a better tomorrow. His plan was to create animated films that he thought both children and adults could enjoy that would... And he actually had said in interviews and stuff that part of his goal was to get messaging out there that would help people become better in the future. So messaging was a part of Disney from the beginning. It's not like they were ever just trying to tell cute little stories. They were always trying to do this. Right. Um, In the golden era, the big message was dreams will come true if you work hard enough. Sort of the American story is why America had such an easy time just pairing up with Disney is, you know, if you work hard enough, it'll come to you. I don't buy that. I think maybe at one point in time in America, it was easier if you worked harder to make more money. Uh, that's not our time now. No. Yeah. Uh, next after that would be the war era. So actually, because Disney was trying to create new technology with his animation, they spent a lot more making films sometimes than they actually earned. And Around the war era, they kind of were not making enough money to keep doing what they wanted to do. So they basically made a deal with the American government and created cartoons that would help kind of entice people to enlist. There's actually a cartoon of Donald Duck joining the Navy. And it's supposed to be like, yeah, you should join the Navy. Donald did it, which 
As a side note, really interestingly, if you follow all the cartoons Donald is in, including DuckTales, he has a really dark story where Donald joins the Navy, gets some kind of PTSD, apparently was divorced at some point, um, and now he's angry all the time, and we all just laugh at him for being angry, and it's kind of not okay, actually. Right. If you really pay attention to the story, it's really kind of a messed up sideline that's been going on the whole time. A lot of cartoons do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but during the war era, they kind of didn't really feel like they knew where they were going. So you have some movies like uh, Mr. Toad and the Headless Horseman. You had the Three Caballeros. Those kind of films were during then. Disney was far from the only company that was getting their hands wet in political messaging, I guess, like wartime mm-hmm. messaging. You know, we, we've seen it. We've talked about it. We've joked about it, you know. I think anybody who's a comic book fan knows the cover of Captain America punching um, Hitler. And, you know, uh, there's a there is a likewise version of Superman doing that. And this is where. Um, yeah, this is where a lot of the nuance comes into the conversation of, you know, agreed that this is we we don't we we are not seeing anything new with modern renditions of the messaging and all of those kinds of things because you can argue that like you said disney was always trying to do this um (laughs) and and it's kind of a byproduct of the time i just you know it's it's one of those things for me you know you you we can being in in 2022 we have the power of hindsight and we can laugh about it, but do some of the same nationalistic ideas get pushed forward if less of these mainstream companies jumped in and had their messaging and, and added to the effort and all of those kinds of things? You know what I mean? It, it, and yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of of armchair quarterbacking on history to that statement, but you know, it's it's one of those things that we have to ask the question, you know, you you bring up that whole sideline topic, but where's where's the line of what gets of what gets forgiven from history? You know what I mean? Like what what parts do we say ha 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 to and what parts do we say no 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 no, we need to do better. We need to be better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I almost feel like it would be more helpful if, since they still have these characters around, to show some of the repercussions of all of that. Not just kind of sideline, oh, Donald Duck had PTSD, but no, let's let's bring some of the nastiness to the forefront. Right. Maybe not, you know, too gruesome since it's for children, but I, I still feel like there has to be some form of apologies for some of that. And you also get some of the, the church and state questions coming up for me, but like... I know it's different because Disney's not a church, but I also have the opposite problem of the fact that Disney was straight up paid by the American government, like the American military was paying an animation studios. That's scary to me. Yeah. 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 This is, this is, it's situations like this that I get myself into trouble with fans, with rabid fans, because a lot of this stuff gets gets laughed away as part of a bygone bygone era and every company and every corporate entity has a history and all of those kinds of things but i mean again 
again, what's the line? Where's the line in all of that? And that's I think that's different for 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 different people. I don't think that that's a one size fits all. So I'm not necessarily advocating let's draw a line here, but how uh, I'm just I'm just left with the questions because I don't want to sit here and preach about it. Right, not here, not now. Mm-hmm. But this is the this is the this is a uh, a gateway to a part of the problem that that kind of just gets accepted as part of it. That this messaging and all of that that's always going to be a part of it and we almost become numb to it we um, we become mm-hmm. so forgiving to the idea that this has messaging that we just go along with it you know what i mean for, it, for and when we look at the wartime stuff it was you know we were at world war and we needed to we needed to have more more people and needed to spread this message and all of this kind of stuff but modern, it's still a lot of the, we need to spread this message. And I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm left with this question of people that like truly do not have a problem in the world with this. Because I know that not all of you guys that listen are Christians. And and so so this conversation isn't going to, even even beyond the specified nature of where is everybody's line and all of that, not everybody's playing out of the same playbook. So that's that's going to that further differentiates the different conversations that take place here. But when we look at this, where do we just laugh off history and where do we finally draw the line in the sand and say that we are not going to keep the door open for these different things? You know what I mean? Just tell stories mm-hmm. rather than but but I think a lot of again even even before this yes there was messaging but this is a huge entry point for a lot of what is accepted to enter into the conversation. Yeah, and I mean I like some of the movies in this time frame like Three Caballeros, but I do. There's a lot of cave, caveats with this. I I am not against world what we did for World War II overall. I mean I feel like it was a war that needed to be fought in some ways. I, I think it was avoidable. But I'm not trying to be like, ah, we shouldn't have tried to stop the Nazis. You know, that's not that is not my point. My point isn't that my point isn't, oh, these are bad movies. My point is it gets really scary when you start tying some of these things together and throwing those messages towards children. Yep. And it only develops further as you go along, Um, whether you want to say for the better or for the worse. it, It just does grow. It certainly gets more message based, I feel like. And there's should throw up a lot of red flags. I mean, there are still movies that I really enjoy that I'm like, I don't know about that one, Disney, <laughs> you know? So I, I just, um, Kino said something in one of our earliest episodes uh, about anime, about how he lets his children watch anime. And a lot of people are shocked by that. And he said, no, no, no. I think it's important. I watch it with them. And then we discuss this stuff and we right. talk about the problems and things. And the thing is the messaging of Disney, whether you like it or not, for any time era, for the most part, is going to be in line with the secular message of the day because right. Disney wants to make money. That's their thing. So when you watch these things, if you do, and if you let your children watch them, I, I think the caveat would be if you do, make sure you talk about these things and consider what the Christian perspective of that same coin would be because they are not showing the Christian perspective because that's not what makes money. Right. And uh, ultimately, it is a company that wants money. Yeah. So that's that's the thing, right? Like you can't we can't hide from the world. And I think that that's 
um, part of the um, danger that you get into by just shutting all of this stuff out. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to be a hypocrite and say horror movies bad or yeah, horror movies good, Disney bad. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, yeah left left unchecked and just assuming it's a feel good thing and all of that kind of stuff. That that's where it runs into problems. You know, I, I do think it's healthy to. It, you know, depending on on where your kids are at and all that kind of stuff, but that's easy for me to say, not being a parent. So, yeah. My last thing on the war era, I also just noticed when I watched through the movies, thinking about the time that was going on, Disney was really struggling trying to figure out how to address a very dark time in history because Disney is just not inherently dark. Like their their movies just aren't really equipped for that kind of scenario, right? Which is also why they kind of were struggling to find a direction during that time. Which does lead us into the Silver Era. All right. Silver Era is 1950 to 1969. I believe it's the longest era of Disney animation history. It includes a lot of classics, a lot of our favorites like Peter Pan, all the way through the last film that Walt Disney himself helped make, which would be The Jungle Book. This is where they're back to trying to tell good stories, not just trying to do propaganda. They're trying to tell good stories again. They're back at trying to create new technology to further animation history. This is when some of the parks are begin to be made, and he's trying to do the movies for the parks and vice versa, it feels like. Um, after Jungle Book, Walt Disney passes, obviously. And so during this time when they're trying to create new technology, Disney's goal was kind of, if I create new technology here, it will help make a better tomorrow. So he's back to sort of that kind of messaging, which I feel like we've already kind of hit on that. But this is, I feel like this is the last of that being the main message of Disney before they start trying to go into other messages. To me, even though I disagree with the idea that we can all make a better tomorrow, I feel like it's a much less dangerous message than some of what you were going to see going forward. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, <laughs> Hard to say. Yeah, because part of the problem with all of this becomes when you start to have some kind of expectation that there's some that that there's some grand like if I do this, then things will work out well. Because uh-huh. as we know, time and chance happen to everybody. And that's one of those things that like it's it's might not be as overtly problematic as some of the other um messaging, but it still leaves people in a bad place where you can very easily fall into the trap of having some kind of false expectations that life is going to be some kind of way or something along those Mm -hmm. lines, which gets into the whole idea of any of this stuff that you're, that, that, that you're exposing young minds to. Yeah. has to be accompanied by, by the, by some kind of parental force that is, you know, watching this with them and got some kind of guidance to all of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. If you let your kid watch Disney or anything, actually, I'd say we should be discussing these things and coming oh, yeah. up with it. And that's sort of the whole idea of our show, right? Like we don't pretend like the things we cover are all Christian, No, but you need to discuss what the message is, where we can agree, where we can't agree with this. I feel like the expectation that working together is going to create a better tomorrow can be dangerous. The idea that technology advancing 
can help us have a better society is probably true. I am very pro-technology, but I think that's the extent of it in this particular case. But that being said, I just I don't necessarily think it's wrong for us to work together. I, I would even say Christians should work together with non-Christians oh, for yeah. certain things, but don't expect that to create a perfect tomorrow. That's just a bad expectation. Yeah. Which leads us to Walt Disney passes at the end of the Silver Age after the Jungle Book, and no one has any idea what to do. No one is willing to let his legacy die, partially because he made a lot of advancements in the world and was a cool guy, that kind of stuff. But a lot of it was, hey, this company is making money. Right. So after he passes, they kind of they're not sure what to do. They start losing their direction. You'll see the nine old the nine old men of Disney, as they call them, start slowly leaving during this next era. It's called the Bronze Era. When I up, down, touch the ground. Where they just kind of get fed up for one reason or the other and say, yeah, I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Um, some people call this the dark ages of Disney because a lot of these movies. And this is where you have to get. I get annoyed because I say, oh, Disney wasn't making as much money here. That's not necessarily true. The reason it's Disney's dark ages is because there was other people making as much money as Disney and Disney doesn't like that. Right. That's it. <laughs> like, oh, no, other people are making more money than us. You're still a complete juggernaut in the industry. To an extent, I just kind of like eh, shut up. <laughs> and some of my favorite movies are actually from the bronze era. So you have stuff like Oliver and Company, Fox and the Hound. We talked about the Black Cauldron, the Great Mouse Detective, Robin Hood. A lot of really good movies. Uh, typically, they're kind of seen as more of like the deep cuts, like only real Disney fans watch these movies because they're just not as popular. They're good. Uh, it's uni Universal's uh, An American Tale is what started outselling them near the end of this era. That's why they called it the, dr the Dark Ages. So The Great Mouse Detective came out, did really great. Universal creates American Tale, does better. And they're like, oh no, someone can't do better than us. Because, you know, they're Disney. And that's just... I don't know. <laughs> that is one thing that is irritating. It is okay sometimes to make a movie and someone else make a movie that's more popular than yours that does not devalue your movie. Right. Yeah. I, I think that when you have these kinds of situations, you know, this is where you see a lot of the um, so, so some creativity really come out of a situation like this because it forces to it forces a company to kind of think on their feet a little bit because they are being outpaced but at the end of the day there was never any there there's there's some of the the descriptions that come out that have come out about this particular time frame is makes it sound like Disney was on a back foot and maybe creatively they were on a back foot, but still making for a the, lot of money. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, you 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 stay in this position of Disney is the juggernaut in mm -hmm. in this in this this space. You know what I mean? Like there have been other companies that have come along and done well, but as far as another company coming through and questioning disney spot at the top of the hill i don't see that yeah i mean you gotta think we're not talking about the parks here but universal definitely placed their parks in orlando because they can pick up some of the you know leftover business disney's getting more or less yeah still made a huge profit which was great for them and disney made more money in the end from it I yeah. mean, that's just it does not really hurt them for other companies to do well right 
which leads us to, you've already talked about this one, uh, the Renaissance period from 1989 to 1999. And I think it was a little bit before this that Michael Eisner became the CEO and he started kind of finding a direction for the company. And they actually had a pointed message of what they wanted to do with this era. They even declared the end of it when Tarzan releases in 1999. They declared this is the official end of the Renaissance era. Their goal was to introduce different cultures to different, you know, to children to kind of expose them to the world. Not a bad goal, necessarily. I feel like people should be exposed to different cultures and all that. I think it's cool. I question some of how they did it. The fact that they had two different movies in Africa without showing a single person that was not white is just striking to me. It's just weird. And because they didn't have a message for it, their message was, here's these other cultures. Most of the films seem to have the same message of follow true love, follow your heart. And that kind of stuff is really heavy in all of these movies. Uh, yeah. But these are where some of our favorites come from. I, I know I, I love Hercules. If you've ever heard me sing <laughs> zero to hero from Hercules, that's probably how you knew I was the biggest Disney fan that you knew because I get way too into that. Uh, I know Joe really likes Aladdin. I think that was your favorite, right? Yeah. 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 It's a good, good time for, for movies. So I, I need to, I need to be able to be un unbiased with what I'm going to say or with what I say about Disney. So let me, let me explain what I mean. I have had, tons to say about these different eras and the current era and all of this kind of stuff. And a lot of times, unfortunately, this particular conversation has this way of having a giant blind spot for the 90s because you have Lion King, because you have Aladdin, because you have all of these movies that are so synonymous with an entire generation. And so some of this stuff gets forgotten. But if you are of a particular vintage, then I want you to look back with me to a, to a, 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 a yesteryear. You know, it is the 90s. There's all kinds of different, you know, teenage and kid-related cartoons and sitcoms and movies and all of this stuff, right? You have all of this stuff going on. And what's a, what is a common thread that you can point to with almost every single solitary one of these IPs. You think about the live action ones, you think about the cartoon ones, you think about, it doesn't matter, right? Oh, fall in love, life is easy. Wow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you have you have this, this nigh-toxic relationship with the idea of romantic relationships. And, and, yeah, you you look at you look at the 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 Christian perspective of purity culture and how much crap that takes and and deservedly so, uh, seriously deservedly so. If if you let me say it a third time, deservedly so. This is not me now turning around and preaching about how we need to be focused on purity and all of that kind of stuff. But it wasn't like it was you know that meme of nobody dot dot dot. Christians, you need purity. Like, no, like there, there was, there was a counterbalance point within popular media that just kind of like that wartime piece of, oh, it was the wartime. They were justified in doing that. That was a different time, and we laugh it off. We think we we have the same kind of way of laughing off this toxic messaging in a lot of these movies. So yeah, you have to accept that this is not 
this is something that we're going to continue to see in different forms, in different functions, in different ways. Yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had conversations when I was helping in youth ministries of people who, well, you know, I love them. Why is that a valid reason? You know, they would never say it's because Disney taught them that. Obviously, that's not what's going to be said. And it isn't just that. It was the culture as a whole. But when you get down to it, so many people believe that if I love someone, it's justified. Or the my goal in life, you know, to get married and have a and I'm, but But why? Why is that your whole goal? Why does that justify everything? And most people don't have an answer for that. It's just something they believe because they were indoctrinated from a young age. Right. That's not squarely on Disney, but they sure didn't help. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's not you're, you're right that this is not like this is a situation that is uniquely a Disney problem. I'm not trying to blame Disney for the issue because you look at. So so for me, I grew up watching Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World mm-hmm. was a huge part of my adolescence and all of that kind of stuff. And literally the entire so much of the premise is on this couple of Corey and Topanga. And and <laughs> this yeah. was such a central show for people of my generation. And and that's just scratching the surface line one scene one of something that was a huge issue all through the decade and post post 90s. I'm not saying it was just the 90s that did this. But yeah, this is very prevalent for romance culture and having that be this topic of conversation and this this cure all that you just need to find true love and true love's kiss and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I not to get ahead of ourselves, but it is actually one of the reasons I did like Frozen was just simply the fact that at the end the answer wasn't oh she found true love. It was her family. And just to have it not be about romance for once, I, I was just to me that was nice because I just got so tired of it always being romance being the answer. Just it got really irritating. Right. But not to say that movie wasn't without its problems. That's just one thing that I was like, no, they didn't just make it. Oh, she fell in love. Right. And that's cool. And that's something to consider that if that's not something that you're if if your if your spirit is is sensitive to the fact that all you're hearing is this one particular message and you hear this other message that is not as harsh to your spirit at that particular moment. Oh, OK. You know what I mean? Like, cool. Yeah. Fine. Aces. Like that's. And that's where this conversation has a way of coming off of the rails. And that's why I'm trying to be <laughs> d- display yeah. this dichotomy of somebody who is a bit more forgiving of what some of the things that make Disney Disney versus somebody that is un- unafraid to point out what I see, but I'm trying to do so in a way that that makes sure that I include that last statement of, what this is what i see this is what i am the messaging that i am sensitive to and things like that so that way we we get away from this idea of trying to paint all of this in the same brush paint every single fan in the same brush and make these giant sweeping statements and things like that i don't have to understand how another person can find some of this stuff palatable that's not for me to understand that's between them like that's that's for them yeah. to sort out. Yeah. I actually while we're on the Renaissance, I, I know one couple who their engagement was a reenactment from a scene of the Little Mermaid. That's <laughs> which was, you know, it was cute. It was cool. 
But I also know someone who really struggled with his call. You know, he's a Christian. He believed he was called to singleness. And every movie he grew up with was about finding the right one. Right. And to him, he can't watch those. They just they're not they're not palatable to him. Right. And I get that. You know, if you feel convicted that you are supposed to live a life of singleness, watching constant movies that talk about how great it's to be in a relationship probably is no fun. And it's really kind of insensitive if you think about it. Oh, for sure. I, I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? And I think that that I think that that ties into a bigger conversation of the amount of weight that we put on people, especially as Christians, to get married and have kids and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yes, that's, that's just coming from a married man to another married man. So yeah, we don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. account for half of that, but as guys without kids in a Christian world, some people look at that, like we're not doing our manly duty and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And, and again, I question if the messaging of, of secularism is matching the the messaging of of Christian doctrine that should be a gigantic red flag. Uh, also, while we're on the subject, uh, if you have anything at all and what your church does for you know different messaging or whatever, I would really love it if churches could stop every Mother's or Father's Day preaching about how children are like arrows and you're only blessed if you have a ton of children. There are so many people who are just biologically incapable of having children that you just make feel like crap sometimes. Yep. Yes, the not Bible does, does say children is a blessing. It also says singleness is a blessing. There's not just one way to be blessed. Right. Yeah. It, it was not – and to that, to, to that, but also to put a definitive statement, and we'll move on from this um, – the 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 whole calling to go out and and procreate, you know what I mean to yeah. to build up the you know blah 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 blah. Uh, that's that's we not a timeless call, guys. That was very much a call to that people at that time that needed to you know build up the population of the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all of that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's, that's not something that, that, that's not a call to say that, uh, you know, contraceptives are bad or birth controls are bad, uh, birth controls bad or any of this kind of stuff is yeah, bad. No. Like, no, that's not what that means. So let's, let's not preach that. If we can avoid that, let's not preach that. And by, if we can avoid, I mean, seriously avoid that. You know what yeah, I mean? Please stop. <laughs> please stop. Uh, yeah, we are, <laughs> The world is now overpopulated. Uh, I'm not suggesting anyone go out and pull a Thanos, but I, I don't think the call to procreate should still stand. Yeah. I don't think that's what God wanted. He didn't want people to starve because there's so many people. Yep. On to the post <laughs> because there's just no good transition to the next topic. Nope. Uh, the first movie that really kind of breaks that oh, love is the real answer to me was actually Lilo and Stitch, which gets us into the post-Renaissance from 2000 to 2009. Some people call it the second Dark Ages of Disney because DreamWorks were competing with them because they had Shrek. Uh, sorry, it's just someone competing with you shouldn't be a Dark Age, but I digress. Lilo and Stitch came out, which obviously did really well. Um, you had Treasure Planet, which we've talked about on the show before. Great movie. Atlantis. There's a lot of really good movies in this era as well, but they don't have a solid theme. They don't really have a this is the messaging of the post-Renaissance. It kind of felt like they left the Renaissance and did not know what to do next. Right. And that's where DreamWorks came out with Shrek. And everyone was like, Shrek's great. 
it's also when this is just something I noticed personally, a lot of people started being like, oh, I don't really like Disney anymore. I only like old Disney. And then you ask them what they didn't like and they can't really name a movie they didn't like. They just felt like they didn't like Disney anymore. Kind of happened sometime during this. As you, you know, people are like, oh, I don't really like Disney anymore. Did you watch the last one, Treasure Planet? Yeah, that was great. Mm, interesting. Right. And I think that I think you touched on it. Like the the style, the stylization changed, the approach changed, the messaging changed. There is a hard cutoff between even 99 and 2000 in certain regards. Yeah. And so we and and I think part of that is the the audiences that you're talking to on on the two at the two ends of what who your target is for that messaging they're entirely different. Oh yeah. You know what I mean like am I a little biased about the family <laughs> first idea and all of that kind of stuff because of my upbringing and my family structure and all of those kinds of things? Yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> yeah. and and am I maybe a little bit more aware than the average Joe about the dangers of just saying, oh, but it's family, but it's family. It's always fa- it's family. It's fine. It's fine because it's family. <laughs> like is is do I do I see that as highly problematic? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole generation, especially in the Venn diagram where Disney movies and Christian culture overlap. You see an incredible take of people that just allow for toxic behavior because that's what they grew up with and it's family. So it's all good. Mm Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Part of what nobody wants to talk about, about the nineties, but we all laugh about is the fact that there is a whole generation of people. I will be the first one to admit we were exposed to concepts that were way above our pay grade as kids. Yeah. Like there's a whole group of us that we don't, we don't get to say that we had an adolescence. There's a part of me that will never fully understand you guys that had this kind of whimsical childhood that, that enjoyed some of the, the innocence of some of this stuff and all of that, because that wasn't me. That wasn't my house. That wasn't the the childhood that I had that wasn't the messaging that was coming through or anything like that. And that's where I think this part of where you're seeing the shift happen is some of these companies more unapologetically saying, you know what? We're a kid's company. First and mm-hmm. foremost, we're making stuff for kids. And mm-hmm. and lowering that messaging bracket down is also going to alienate the people who grew up on the messaging that is more adult in nature. They're passing it off to kids, don't get me wrong, but it's adult themes. And I think it shows when that adult theme, when those, when some of those adult themes aren't there anymore. Again, guys, I'm not advocating any of this stuff, but we have to be honest about what these companies are doing if we're going to have articulate and intelligent conversations about the eras of this juggernaut IP creation machine. Yeah, and I mean, even though they didn't have any direct, this is our messaging for the post-Renaissance, they definitely did have some things like the family thing you were talking about, which kind of reminds me, um, C.S. Lewis, uh, The Four Loves, I talked about it plenty of times on the show before, but he talks about the dangers of family love in there of forgiving things that should not be forgiven, you know, uh, or maybe not should not be forgiven, but 
acting as though someone does not have faults just because your family is is terrible. Do not do that. That is why family love isn't God's love. God's love has to govern family love. That's a whole other discussion. It's deeper than you think. You should read that book. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of things in there. And oftentimes people will treat their family worse than they would just treat their regular friends because, oh, we're family. They have to love me kind of mentality is what C.S. Lewis talks about. And that's just not true. Something that Disney likes to act like is true because it keeps things nice and friendly and whatever. But it's not. It just isn't. But uh, this is, like I said, also called the second dark age of Disney. If we're just talking about the movie part of things, I, I personally, I think that this era is the last era we really see Disney trying to advance technology and animation. Uh, TJ mentions it a lot. Uh, Treasure Planet with the deep canvas, as well as Tarzan from the Renaissance using the deep canvas. That was the last real innovation in animation from Disney. And to me, that's where I want them to get back to innovate I like the new technology stuff. I feel like we've left that behind after this, and that's sad. I also feel like in this era and in the dark, in the Bronze Age, they did a lot more experimenting. Treasure Planet was way different than most other Disney movies. Yeah. Uh, I would say the same thing as Black Cauldron. We talked about that one before. Way different than most other Disney movies. Right. And I like these eras, even though maybe Disney wasn't the top dog the whole time. I like the era where Disney had to do some experimenting. That's when I feel like you get some of the most unique and interesting films. Yeah, agreed. And that's that's one of the most what's well, one of the most beneficial things that comes out of these times where Disney is forced to be creative is you do have a tendency to see more of the the what makes a Disney movie special in the in this particular regard. And you know, I guess I guess the the best summation is when you try and give a one size fits all answer to a conversation that's incredibly nuanced, then you then you end up with something that's ultimately problematic. Mm -hmm. But to get over to the the animation side of it. Yeah. I mean, you you saw larger than life bombastic things done better than most of what is presently done. I'll say it. I think Treasure Planet is a more beautiful movie than Avatar. Yeah. I appreciated a Avatar for the beauty of what it was, but Treasure Planet is just an all-around prettier movie. And they pushed the envelope in a lot of ways as far as mm -hmm. these animation styles and all of that and really making something that was larger than life. But like we talked about in the Treasure Planet episode, right on the heels of that was something as simplistic as Stitch that they could mass produce for a much lower cost. In yeah. the same way that they did with with Mickey Mouse or any of these other, you know, super marketable flat image creations. Yeah, I am um, for my money, uh, even though Treasure Planet probably isn't even in my top 10 Disney movies. I, I would say it's probably the prettiest Disney movie. And it is just beautiful. Yeah, just really well made. Um, and you mentioned Moon Knight. So speaking of things that we have a tendency to disagree on personally. <laughs> We get more into modern Disney. So we're talking about the revival era. Which is 2010 to, they say, present. Um, I'm predicting that this movie coming up this year, uh, what's it called? Strange World. I think that's going to end up being, once we look back in history, that's going to end up being a new era again, is what I'm thinking. But we're talking about the revival era. It starts in 2010 with, most people say, Tangled. 
I like to think 2009 with Princess and the Frog is really when it started because you get these new princesses back. You start Disney's kind of doing some apologetic work. So Bob Iger comes in a little bit before 2010 and he starts coming up with a new direction for Disney. That's where we get the revival era. That's where you see Tangled, Frozen, all those movies that are animated almost exactly the same. Seriously, have you ever noticed that they all look pretty much exactly the same? Right. Drives me insane. Which is why I think they don't include Princess and the Frog, but because of the messaging and because of what they're doing, I want to include Princess and the Frog. Um, but they're, they're basically doing that apologetic work of, oh, we did romance all the time. Well, here, here's one where love is the answer. You notice in these movies, uh, I think the only one is Tangled is the only one where romance is, you know, the big deal at the end. But even that isn't the main point of the movie. So you get a lot of where I like some of these messaging. Uh, like Encanto, I really appreciate the idea of the film being more about generational trauma and how that's a real thing. And I'm like, I, I can feel that. There are still problems in all of these. And that is what Joe's kind of been hinting at this whole time. So I will let Joe take it from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, there is a there there's two sides to this conversation. We talked about in the Gen X episode, the 80s cartoons episode, Heath and I talked about this independence that was fostered in the 80s. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between something like that, that fostered independence, that fostered get back up, that sort of thing. And I'm talking about in terms of at its best, at its worst, there's a lot of selfishness that came out of this. There was a lot of self-centeredness, a lot of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, a lot of red, white, and blue nonsense, and all of that kind of stuff that also comes out of this. Huh. It feels like in certain regards, the way that that tried to get replicated was this believe in yourself, the powers within you sort of messaging, right? We went from relationships being a form of validation to family being a form of validation, to the self being a form of validation. Now, look, I, I really do think that a person should be able to be themselves without fear of being persecuted for it. Mm -hmm. And I know what I'm saying when I say that, because again, this world, we're not living in an inherently Christian world. We are Christians within a world. So I can't stand here and say, do, do I wish that every knee would bow every time we'd confess that we didn't have to worry about these things, that we didn't have to worry about sickness or sin or any of these things? Do I wish that that were the case? Yeah, yeah. And, and we look forward to a time where there will not be the pain of sin. There will not be the pain of loss. There will not be the pain of death. But that is not the world that we live in. And so... It is my responsibility as a Christian to hope that people can be able to operate without getting persecuted for it, without getting damaged for it, and all of those kinds of things. There are other aspects to that conversation, but that's that's one of those home base sort of things. If I'm loving on people, then it's my responsibility to to be okay with the fact that they can go and be and do and not have to worry about being inherently persecuted for it. Mm -hmm. But when we when we teach that the power is within you, look to yourself for validation. What comes out of that is is this self-centered narcissistic perspective that 
says that truth is subjective. I'm not going to turn around and preach, but there are certain things that we 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 flirt with. We flirt with sketchy business when the biggest dog in the yard is preaching that truth is subjective, mm-hmm. and that your truth does not supersede actual like evidential truth. Mm-hmm. I'm, like I'm not just talking about any of the hot button topics. I'm talking about like standard stuff, like scientifically proven stuff. So I'm not even like, yeah, we can go into any of those hot, bu- hot button topics that, that hover around this, but I'm not even touching those yet. Like, and I'm not planning on it, but I'm just saying that like, don't, yeah. Bef- before the masses come to track me down with what I'm saying, like, <laughs> I'm not just, you know, yeah, I've got opinions. Yeah. I've got perspectives. Yeah. I've got all that. That's not, that's not, the, that's not the time nor the place. It's talking about this, this, this reliance on you to solve your own problems. Here's the thing. And it's, and, and I'll, and I'll shoot on everybody when I say this, right? Christians and non-Christians. Christians, this looks a little bit more like you are bigger than the giants in your life. If you are so egocentric that you think that you're David in that situation, you have missed the entire point of all of that. You're the guy in the corner cowering. You're not David in that situation. God's not going to come through and slay every single giant that comes through your life. You're not saved from not having troubles and hardships and nonsense and garbage happening to you just because you're a Christian. Just because you believe in yourself and the powers within you and you think that you've got what it takes and all of that kind of stuff doesn't mean that 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 life isn't going to come and knock you right on your giant hind parts. And that's part of the problem is that kind of that kind of thought process teaches people that they are bigger than their problems. And that, Jack, is exactly how you get to a very defeated perspective when you realize there are some things in this life that are not conquerable for the individual. Now, we can pick it. One of the on-ramps from that conversation is the Christian perspective, but that's not the only on-ramp because we need to make sure that we are not teaching unrealistic expectations, and that's part of my problem. I'm not saying that people should be, I'm not saying that it's problematic. I think I think it's beautiful that finally, if we're going to talk about, you mentioned on this during the revival period, during the revival age of, the, uh, of Disney. Okay, just track with me here, all right? If you're going to have all of these different stories that claim to be showcasing different perspectives in different cultures and different instances of how life can be manifested, then maybe, just maybe, Mm -hmm. show and depict something that's actually relevant to that conversation. Let's not be in the jungles of Africa and have every single person that we run across be white. Yeah. I'm just just throwing it out there guys. So so no, this is all problem. Like there's there's I I appreciate the fact that we can see these different representations and all of this kind of stuff. Great. Muscle tough. Wonderful. But I don't care what aspect of the audience that you represent, you are still subject to the human experience. And that's what I find the problem in. That's where 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 this this generation is so centered around trying to negotiate your way out of the human experience that all you're left with is damage of people who weren't able to beat their giant. Yeah, I 
gotten backtrack a little bit during this. So for me, watching these movies specifically, uh, though that is, that is an undertone that is definitely there. But like when I watched Frozen, I feel like the main thing for me was, oh, hey, they showed that romance wasn't the answer. That was actually part of the point. I liked that. But there was definitely still this undertone of Elsa had the power within her the whole time. Right. And, you know, the same thing with Encanto. You know, the main message might be generational trauma is absolutely terrible. But in the end, you find that the main character, you know, within her, she had the ability to reconcile her family. That's not always true. Sometimes your family is just irreconcilable. Yep. Uh, for people like Joe and I, where this is a particularly sensitive topic, uh, if you have a certain mental disorder, some things you're just not going to be able to do. I have ADHD. I could say all day the power's within me to focus. Within five minutes, I will be yelling squirrel. That It's not going to change. Right. And, I mean – it's, I laugh at it because that's the only thing I could do. But at the end of the day, that is reality. Right. We have our limitations, and that is what points people to God is when you realize you're, lim you're limited, that you can't do this thing on your own. Humans weren't meant for this. Sin has made us all fall short. That is just reality. And for me, hey, that's an undertone. I overlook it. I move on. But I absolutely understand where that's – that is a huge problem, and I'll say – when we're going through all of these eras of Disney, that's going to be a problem they always have. That's why their message is always going to change because they're going to realize, oh, this doesn't work. Oh, this is actually offensive to this group of people. So we're going to change our message to this. Yeah. You know, um, it would not surprise me if that's why they moved away from romance being the answer every time. But you know what? Eventually, they're going to realize this is offensive to people with mental disorders or disabilities or whatever. So they're going to have to change their message another time to something else. And there is no answer other than God. Disney's not a Christian company, so their message will just simply always change. There will be more eras to come with different messaging, and none of it will be the real answer because that's not what Disney's about. Right, uh, and and I don't disagree and, and see previous statements on what a healthy perspective of this looks like. You know yeah. what I mean? Like what uh, – as far as as far as not holding unrealistic expectations at a corporate level. Okay. Um, so for those of you that don't know, and I feel like with whenever you get Josh and I as your hosts, you get something <laughs> that looks a little bit more like our mothership shows, right? The whole church and buddy walk that are more conversationally driven, asking questions, uh, maybe some higher thought, maybe some more relational practicality to the Christian's relationship with God. So for me, a lot of me, when I record, is right at the surface. I am a raging capitalist. I am a business owner. <laughs> I have owned some form of a business since I was 18, just generally speaking, and I'm not 18 anymore. So uh, it, it, I, I, can, I can measure experience with, ha with, with business ownership now in decades, you know. Yeah. So, so what is the principal concept behind a for-profit business profit <laughs> like that's what yes. we get how how yes how can we begrudge a for a for-profit company by making making money they want to make money and so what are they going to do mm -hmm. they're going to move the goalpost to a spot where they can make money it doesn't matter if you know in any of the there's so much we look at in the in bygone eras Pick your flavor. I don't care. Any one of these, mm -hmm. uh, these bygone eras that have come before the current era, 
if you there there is some movie in there that if you were to point to you say oh that could never be made today right when Mm -hmm. when you when we are in a time when we are in a time where comedians are saying i can't be a comedian anymore because people don't know how to laugh there Mm -hmm. there are a lot there's a lot that goes into it and i'm not going to get into cancel culture this and this and that and what's okay and what's not and all this kind of stuff we all have our blind spots we all have our uh, have our points we all have things that we laugh at that we're like oh we probably shouldn't laugh at that but we but the nostalgia of it all kicks in i get it so we're not none of us are free from this so, so, but we will look at the current era and say oh that was problematic. It might not be problematic in 2022. Give it a couple of years and we're going to find things mm-hmm. that are problematic. You know what I mean? That 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 goalpost always moves as a society because society's truth is always moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ultimately, we know what the gimmick is. What's the missing piece in all of this? Yahweh. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's There you go. I, I answered that question. But- we need to be able to articulately and maturely and not not toxically. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's about to get worse. You know, I mentioned earlier, I think that this strange new world is going to end up becoming – or strange world is going to be the next beginning of a new era of Disney. Uh, Bob Chapek just took over sort of in 2020. It's been kind of a, a fade out thing. But we already see where – He's pushing the you know more secular agenda of things more, yeah. you know, and uh, that's moving further away from Christian culture. You know, Christian culture is going hard right. That's going hard left. You know, people throwing around words like that's woke or diversity. You know, all these kind of different things. It's just the messaging of the day, and that's what's going to happen. My guess is this is going to end up being the third dark age of Disney. Oh no, someone's going to compete with them. It, in the end, it does not matter. <laughs> you, you know, and and everything Joe is saying is that that's exactly right. You know, we're, we're going to see these things. They're going to be problematic in a couple of years if they're not already problematic. You know, um, it's happening faster and faster as communication becomes easier. What you say today might be problematic a month from now. You know, like that is just the way the world is going. Um, But to put the cheesy spin on it, uh, there is an answer. <laughs> Right. So, but before, but before we get there, I want to say, I want to jump in and say to anybody who is a believer that, that watches this stuff, that supports this stuff, that watches Marvel, that watches the, the, the Disney show or the, the cartoons or has their gear kid watches the cartoons or whatever you interact with this IP, you have a Disney plus account, whatever. The, the point of this is not to villainize anybody that likes or doesn't like this stuff. That's literally the thesis statement behind this episode and why we showcase the different eras and why we have to have an articulate conversation about this. Because so often the conversation that centers around things like Disney becomes so toxic so quickly. And if we are and if and if we're looking to, you know, uh, balance the sheets, if you will, and you want to know what that spe- what that missing puzzle piece is, guys. It's God. Okay, I said it. It's it's cheesy. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But but that's that's the thing, right? That we that we 
have to make sure that we are using as the counterbalance in every single direction, the counterbalance towards the thing, the, the things that we consume, the conversations that we're having, how we view other people, how we react to other people. That's always the counterbalance. It doesn't matter what aspect of this you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, that is, that is the answer. Yeah. But as, as Christians, we have, if, if we are, if we are choosing to play in this, in this arena, then it is our job to continue to love on people and showcase that love because so many people here have been exposed to what it looks like when when Christians are unwilling to love people that like certain IPs and things like that. And that's why, you know, for us at SG, a big part of what we do is we get into the philosophical, we get into the, the um, you know, the implications of it all in a lot of the conversations. And we tie this into, okay, so we're Christians, right? And how do we deal with this kind of IP, this mm-hmm. kind of messaging, yeah. this kind of arena? I, I point to guys like, well, well, people, because there's, there's, quite a few of them over there, but groups like geek devotions, shout out to Dally and Celeste over there doing, doing awesome things that are showcasing literally their thesis statement is to show people that they're loved. That is the thesis statement that, that, that they, when they go into this, they want to show people that they're loved, that they're cared for. And they do that by, by having conversations with people, by being able to present the Christian perspective and all of that kind of stuff. That is a beautiful thing because we need to be, we need a reminder that if we are going to play in secularism, then we need to still be displaying the love of God, regardless of what we do or don't disagree or agree with, with these different IPs. We cannot villainize at any step of the way because we lose sight of proper perspective and proper kingdom perspective on all of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, for example, Joe does not love modern Disney. I will absolutely watch any new Disney movie that comes out. I just enjoy it. I enjoy it for critiquing the films and all of it. You know, even the ones that are bad. I like to sit there and figure out why I think they're bad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier uh, C.S. Lewis's Four Loves. And what he does in that book is he goes through all the different human loves, shows why they fail, where they fail. And then at the end, he shows how God's love can perfect all of it. I feel like you could do something similar with a lot of the messaging of Disney, why they fails, why it comes up short, why it's wrong even. But if you look at some of these, you know, um, the idea of a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. Well, hey, you know what? if you're putting God into the equation, that's a possibility. If you talk about working hard, being a true value that there is a Christian value of work, you know, I mean, you go through all of these, um, you know, even romance, God can bless romance, you know, God can bless a family. God can do all of these things are good. If it is governed by the best thing, which is God. And they all have problems that can all fall short and be terrible without God. Um, there's a line in the book of the four loves where he says, when it becomes a God, it becomes a demon. And that is true of all of these eras, all of these messages. When it becomes a God, it becomes a demon. I do not have a problem with working hard. That's a good thing. When it becomes a God, it becomes a demon. I don't have a problem with romance. When it becomes a God, it becomes a demon. That is true of all of this. And I think that is my main thing is when you try to come up with secular answers to make a better life, it will, it'll, it's just always going to fall short. Or 
if you take a secular answer and try and Christianize it, it's also going to fall short. There's a difference between finding the biblical truth of it all and recontextualizing a secular answer. You can find reflections of truth in a lot of things if you are willing to look for them. But just because it's a reflection of the truth does not mean that it's actually the truth. And this is coming from the Narnia fan out of the group. Like, I am the Narnia guy out of the group, and I can talk and wax poetically for hours. And I have, at this point, collectively spoken for hours about the Narnia ad, and still I come out saying these were works – fictional works made by a man that include reflections and images from a greater truth. Yeah. And so ultimately, again, I go back to, you can go, you can find, we've gone through and I've, yes, I've had more to say. I have had more criticisms than (laughs) Josh has. Josh has been more of the information. I have been more of the spice. It is what it is. Um, But in this case, you know, you can look at all of these different generations and see the problematic nature because, guys, in case you didn't realize this, the world, the world is problematic. It's problematic. And so there's always going to be problematic nature to each one of these these areas. So I, 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 I you've heard me say at, at different points, like what you like and don't be a jerk. Yes. That's that's why that that it extends to this, too. That extends to these IPs, these these sections of fandom that have a way of garnering way more extreme thought processes and, and, and takes on how we should interact with this. So at the end of the day, don't lose the rabbit, friend. If you are a child of God, we have rules and responsibilities that we get the privilege to be able to follow. And these are the things that will not only lift us up, but also lift up those around us. You are freeing yourself from the burden of being a jerk based off of what one person's taste is versus another person's taste. You are Mm -hmm. freeing yourself of the burden of having to carry around the weight of of the heaviness that ha- that that can that can track along with treating other people poorly because of what they like. So understand that the beauty comes when we can have these articulate conversations about these different IPs and still go in peace. Would I be a bit more discerning about those kinds of things than my parents were with me? Oh uh, yeah, yeah I would. I absolutely would, but that's part of the process and that's okay. So, so I say to everybody, go in peace, like what you like, but to believers, the, just a reminder, and I'm not saying anybody that is, is, or is not doing this, but I leave you with this, the reminder that the translator for all of this stuff, the filter for all of this stuff, the, 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 the thing that all of this gets run through is the truth of God. Yeah. And that has to stay the filter point for everything that we're taking in. Yeah. And this also shows one of those interesting, Joe and I have very different takes on a lot of this. And it's also because we come from very different backgrounds and stuff. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, that's not the only thing, but you know, when I think of it, I, I grew up where 
my parents were very regulative to the point of I wasn't allowed to watch most things that came out, you know, right. um, literally all of my friends would watch a movie and it was iffy on whether or not I was allowed to hang out with them afterwards kind of deal. And to me that I grew up that way and verses where, you know, Galatians 5.1 is my favorite, like my go-to Bible verse of it is for freedom. He set us free. And I'm thinking, man, it's so good that I am able to do these things because Christ is in me and I don't have to be threatened by any IP. And that's sort of what's emphasized to me. Not that Joe and I believe differently. I feel like we just had different emphasize stuff that emphasized because my salvation marks were just different. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking of um, where Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that condemns him. Watch what you want to watch. I, I, that's not the same thing as what Jesus, Jesus was talking about food and wine, but I, I, I believe watch what you want to watch. What comes out of a man is what condemns him. If watching revival era Disney makes you sound more arrogant and more self-absorbed, stop watching it. You'll cut out that stuff. If you're able to watch it and, you know, Encanto allows you to see family trauma differently and you're able to talk to people better. Hey, that's cool. I think just monitor what is affecting you and how it's affecting you. But um, yeah, like like Joe said, watch what you want to watch and go in peace, whether it's Disney or not. If you want to boycott Disney, cool. I, I do not care at all. <laughs> I am not attached to the company. It is not my lord in any way. So cool. So that being said, uh, we talked about a lot today. Uh, we're going to go through some of these different areas. We're going to watch different movies and review them later on in our series. Um, we're also going to talk about Pixar, the street to home videos, the direct to Disney plus videos that came out. Um, I feel like all of those also have different messaging. We'll kind of look at that later in the future of our show. But for now, I feel like this episode was a little bit different. You know, we talked about some of the history of a company and we did a lot more philosophy and stuff than I think we usually do. Uh, but that's to be expected with Joe and I. So uh, for recommendations, I, I personally think you should find a Disney movie from the 80s where they were doing some of their experimental stuff or like uh, the Black Cauldron we did a review on before. Um, I want to say Robin Hood was in the, the 80s. That is just an era of Disney that not a lot of people see where I feel like they were being a little bit more experimental, a little bit more innovative. Uh, I just think the films are more interesting. So that would be my recommendation. Joe. Uh, my recommendation is to go and watch uh, specifically two movies to see the absolute apex of Disney animation and Disney really putting effort towards revolutionizing what it means to have a pretty movie or an immersive environment and that is exactly treasure planet and atlantis both of those movies are so breathtakingly and stupidly gorgeous that they they have this way of pulling you in that that very few other movies really encapsulate yeah yeah uh also the lion king it actually did a lot for animation, a lot more than gets talked about. Super interesting. But I, I would probably guess if you're watching an hour and a half long podcast about Disney, you've probably seen The Lion King. But if you want to hear more from us instead of Disney, you can go to systematicgeekology.org. You can hit the drop down menu that says host. Both of our names are there. Everything we do is over there. It's a fun place to just kind of check out everything we do. And if you guys also want to let us know what you've been geeking out on or what you think we should be geeking out on, same website, there's a place to do that. And just do us the favor and remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.
This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.